You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we give you tips and tricks on how to become your own Zen master at Endurance Sports. Oh man, we got a great episode today. We have the one, the only Chris Haig on for an interview, calling in by Skype from Los Angeles, the greater LA area, and he and I talk about a little bit about triathlon news and then also about a review of his review. I sent him my notes on my Galveston 70.3 race, and he and I break it down, and he asks me questions about why I did this and why I did that, and we go back and forth and and discuss uh, at length about uh, why certain choices are made and what's going on, and it's actually really cool because we're both coaches and we've both raced that race. So you can see the insight of how to execute a race uh, coming from two insightful people. It's pretty neat. And I guess uh, after that, we'll do the training log. It's mostly um, after the race, what I did for recovery, a little bit of you know swimming and stuff like that mixed in. It's pretty cool stuff. And I guess uh, we'll do a little bit of triathlon news right up here up front, a little bonus news. And I'll let you know that we picked up a new running dog. So uh, Roxy the Greyhound passed away, gosh, let's see, maybe in January or so, and uh, she was such a great running dog, and of course, you know, Greyhounds should be. <laughs> uh, they don't run very far, but they can run really fast, and the um, the Black Lab, Kona, you could tell he's just kind of sad, and, and he's so social, you know, he needs a buddy, and uh, we've started looking around for a new puppy of sorts, and I didn't want a baby puppy, and Emily did, and Emily wanted a, another lab, and I didn't um, because they're just too big uh, for me to run with all the time. And I wanted something a little bit smaller, um, like a border collie. And it, we just kind of went back and forth with that. And then a coworker of Emily's had a uh, her brother-in-law, I think, um, raises dogs uh, for hunting. And he had a dog he wasn't taking care of, and uh, so this dog was uh, tied to a tree out in a pasture, not really mistreated, but uh, not going anywhere uh, beneficial, and nothing good was going to come of it, and asked if uh, we wanted to... to adopt it and uh, so we checked it out had a visit with the dog and it it's uh it's a it was the runt of the litter hold on she's in the pantry right now hold on i have to get used to having a puppy instead of a well-disciplined dog we named her zoe zoe get out of there come on <laughs> and uh, she was the runt of the litter and he wasn't really going to use her for hunting so he didn't really know what to do with her and so she's six months old and about 30 pounds. The vet said she's a little bit underfed. And uh, it's just actually really cool. She's uh, probably going to be around 45, 50 pounds maybe. And she is either part uh, yellow lab and other stuff. Or she is part, mo- or she is mostly something called a, hey baby, there you are. <laughs> she's all in my face now. She's mostly a... Um, Mountain View Cur, C-U-R, 
and uh, you can Google it and kind of see what she looks like. She looks like those. And uh, they're, I looked, uh, the labs, of course, are great family dogs, and Mountain View Curs are also really great family dogs. So it's kind of neat, but she's still very much a puppy. She's chewing on my hand right now. Ow, that hurts. You want to be on the podcast? Can you say something? You know, bite the phone? Yeah, that's her biting the phone. We took her to a soccer game last night, and that was an adventure, and uh, just rolling around, being silly the entire time, and then starts nipping at Emily to the point where Emily got mad and needed to go walk her. And then uh, we thought, oh man, she seems to be pretty house trained until this morning. Uh, We got her on Friday, and today is Tuesday. Um, This morning, uh, walked upstairs, and uh, there was a landmine in there. Uh, (coughs) Dog turds. In the training room, in the training cave, Zoe. That's sacred ground. You can't do that. No, you can't do that. Stop it. Okay, I'm going to go over here. So you quit chewing on me. And uh, actually, just a few minutes ago, I gave her uh, peanut butter for the first time. Uh, Being tied to a tree out in the pasture, uh, you're not very exposed to the uh, world. And uh, so a lot of things that she's seen is her first time. And uh, and obviously, I said she wasn't being uh, horribly mistreated. Of course, being tied to a tree is not good stuff. I don't mean to just glaze over that, but that's uh, behind us now, so I don't want to dwell on it. But the... uh, (laughs) <laughs> she took a bite, she licked the, the peanut butter off the spoon, and then sat there for, for a second and looked at me, and then, and then started chewing it, you know? And then she didn't know what to do, and then she realized, this is awesome! <laughs> and then she was all into it. And then, uh, to be fair, because apparently dogs have, um, they can feel jealousy, they've uh, figured that out. And, of course, everybody that's had dogs knows take scientists to figure out what everybody already knows. And the, um, I gave a, a spoonful to Kona and, uh, Kona was chewing away at it. And then, uh, Zoe started trying to eat it out of Kona's mouth. <laughs> and he was like, no, you're not. It was pretty funny. So a lot of table manners and a whole lot of, uh, uh, growing up to do at, at a puppy's pace. Yeah. But, oh, we went running this morning and, uh, I just kind of ran loops near my house and kind of some out and back streets to kind of see how she does. Uh, that way I didn't overdo it. And by the time I'd done three miles, she was still bouncing along, happy as ever. And I thought, that's enough for our first time. And uh, dropped her off at the house. And then I picked up Kona and went for uh, more running, which was actually really cool. So that's, um, that's the dog update. And then also, um, next podcast, I'm going to do a little bit of a breakdown of how I won the Grand Fondo uh, here in town, the 100-mile. There was a 500-mile gravel ride, which I am not doing that. But the 100-mile version, I straight up won the whole thing. It was really cool. And I've got lots of uh, tips and tricks of what I did to come in first place. It was really rad. (laughs) Really, really rad. It's great uh, Ironman uh, training. And it was right here in town. And uh, that was super cool. And even better than that... Kai and another kid, Kai's age, they rode the 40-mile loop and averaged 16 and a half miles per hour, which is nuts for an 11-year-old, two 11-year-olds. And it just makes you uh, realize what you can do if you uh, kind of let go of your preconceived notions and uh, kind of do the, the child's mind thing, which is big in, in Zen and Buddhism, is uh, have an open mind and uh, don't limit yourself too much. 
Could an 11 year old do this? Yeah, so you could too. <laughs> Quit telling yourself you can't. All right, that is the update with everything that's going on before the interview. So let's go ahead and get started with our buddy Chris Haig. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. How you doing, man? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Living the life. Living the life? Yeah, how about you? I'm trying to catch my breath. I just got off the bike. Oh, nice. A little Zwift action? Um, not this time. I was watching... We're already recording, by the way. Just thought I was... Oh, sweet. Okay. And uh, I was watching um, the Barclays Marathons, or the Barclay Marathons uh, documentary on Netflix. You know about that? Is that the one in Tennessee? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, it's a 135 mile or 136 mile. I don't know. Anyway, it's five marathons, whatever that is. 130 mile run. And it's the elevation gain of Everest twice. And and descent. And it's uh, there's only 30% of it or something like that has trails. So... The rest of it, you have to bushwhack through, and it's like briars, like razor-sharp stuff. So Very cool. They have years where nobody finishes. In fact, most years, nobody finishes. Is there a great spot for Um, no. No. It's honor and glory. <laughs> it is a really good uh, movie. It's an hour and a half long. I really recommend people check it out. And, um, yeah. So, what have you been up to? I've been working lots. Um, training lots and uh, ready to move to Phoenix. Okay, so that's a done deal. You can announce that. You're moving yep, to yep, moving to Phoenix in beginning June for certain. So any listeners out there you want to hit me up for a bike ride in the heat of the summer, let me know. <laughs> Phoenix in June. <laughs> Rent's cheaper there in June. I mean, you know, prices usually drop about $200 per month in June through September. You're going to be um, like... You're going to get sand in every crack of every, not only yourself, but everything that you own. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't melt beforehand. Dude, one time we were driving through Phoenix or Arizona and we got caught in a sandstorm, a real bona fide sandstorm. And it's like heavy fog, but yellow. Yeah. And you can't see, what do you think? Like 10 feet in front of you? Oh, if that. Yeah. In your car. And you're like, if we, this lasts much longer, it's going to start taking the paint off our car. Yeah, it, it, it feels like hail or rain on your car. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yep, done deal. So, I'm excited. Are you on a triathlon club there yet or anything? Or? Not yet. But uh, Scottsdale's got a good team, and um, there's a couple good teams. I know Tribe, there's one, there's Scottsdale. So, there's a bunch of good teams out there. Yeah, totally. And um, let's see. You're in Las Vegas right now? Not Las Vegas. You're in uh, Los Angeles. Yep. Cool. All right, you got a job down in Phoenix? Um, currently, currently uh, looking, I'm kind of in the interview process for a teaching position at a school there. Yeah. Um, but in hooked up with a um, contact a couple other schools, so substitute teaching there, and then I've got uh, coaching on the side. Sweet, that's always nice, huh? Yeah, yeah. I love. I mean, that's that's my favorite part of you know favorite part of my week um, and favorite you know favorite part of the week and favorite part of the day is checking in on my athletes. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
You know, that's that's where I really like. That where is I fun, really man. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, like, I, I love sitting down and I love, like, seeing, you know, reading over their notes and commenting, you know, daily and seeing, you know, seeing, all right, this week went well and they're really progressing here. We need to work on this. And then giving them a whole new set of wor- uh, workouts for the next week and just that that's what I really like doing. That's, that's where the fun's at. You know what? Yeah, that, I think that's my favorite part, too, is reading their notes. And and you get, you get like, I almost envisioned, like, that I was there with them when they did it, you know? Yeah. They're like, that was brutal. And then on the third interval, I about died. And then I felt great. And you're like, <laughs> get all wrapped up in it, too. Yeah. That's really fun. I love reading like the, the epic yeah. posts and the epic commentary. Of, you yeah. know, what went through their mind and when. Yeah. And then I, I crashed on my bike and I got back on and finished the workout. You're like, yeah. oh my God, dude, I would have stopped. <laughs> <laughs> you're crazy. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, cover. Oh, speaking of that, somebody sent in an email when they heard that you were going to be on the show. Oh, sweet! And uh, was just bragging on how what an awesome coach you were. I thought I'd tell you. Awesome. Um, that Thanks. you. Co- I forgot where, where that email went, but it said that you coached him before. Yeah. Uh, and, was it Dwayne or was it Billy? Uh, I'd have to go. I'd have to figure out my emails. Hold on, let me see. And uh, he was. It's Chris Haig coaching, right? Yep, ChrisHagueCoaching.com. And um, let's see if I can I can search my email. Let's see if I can find this this email from somebody. Um, hmm, no, I don't know who it was. It, maybe it came through Twitter or, oh, you know, maybe it was a Twitter direct message. But, uh, dude, just raving about how uh, easy you are to work with and and, and uh, inspiring and, like, uh, good attitude. So Sweet. High praise. I know, right? That's cool. And uh, let's see, you want to talk about a little bit of triathlon news? Yeah, let's do a little triathlon news, and then I've got some questions for uh, for you about Galveston, and then I kind of want to segue into that about um, your plans for I Am Canada and uh, using kind of Swift for that. Oh, crap. Uh, I'm very organized. <laughs> You're going to hold me accountable. Go. Okay, coach, dude. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, let me see if I can... Uh, I- I'm on Twitter all day long. It's amazing that I can't find it. Hold on. Uh, let's see. Pull it up right here. Terrible podcasting. Come on, Twitter. Let's go. Yeah. Man, my legs are shot. I really shouldn't have biked tonight. So, so recovering from Galveston or? No, just kept on training. Well, I took off. I took off like um, four or five days or something, which is a lot for me. So I was like... Uh, yeah, it was an interesting, you know, speaking of Twitter, interesting tweet you posted out how much days of recovery you need versus how many days of recovery you want. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Most of them got some pretty interesting answers, too. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think a lot of people underestimate how much recovery they actually need mm-hmm. and kind of push through to get to the next race. So it's, you know, you really have to, you have to tone back and kind of objectively look at your stress and your recovery and how your body's feeling after a race because for the most part i mean you're living off adrenaline for like two days afterwards and caffeine that was the one i've noticed if if you take a lot of caffeine during a race um then you'll have a buzz on top of the adrenaline Mm -hmm. and you'll start back too soon and then you'll um you'll start training again and after about Two days of training? Yeah, two to three days. Yeah, you'll completely implode and realize that you're in way over your head and that you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, I can't find the email. But anyway, it was an awesome email. Okay. 
Let's talk about Let's about talk Triathlon News. How about tri- yeah, uh, Challenge has announced a world championship, which people have been bugging about, bugging them about for years. Yeah, I found this really interesting. Not only because it was it's in Eastern Europe, it's in like what Slovakia, mm-hmm. um, and a huge purse prize. Um, and also, they're not trying to compete with Kona and putting it in October. They're putting it in June, mm-hmm. which makes me think they're trying to get people who want to prep for Kona at that race. And on top of that, you can qualify if you're a pro. You can qualify for this race by being one of the top racers at Kona. Yeah. <laughs> They're totally picking the pockets of uh, of WTC for the best, and uh, I think it's great. I think it's like, hey, if you do great at Kona or uh, WTC Ironman Half Championships, World Championships, and mm-hmm. ITU Long Course Worlds, um, then you can you've qualified for our race. I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah, I want to check out that course and see what like the, the course profile is like, um, especially like in June. I want. Is that going to be like as hot as Kona or how the courses compare right. um, profile-wise? And, yeah, profile-wise, uh, they say as far as driving to get there, it's actually, um, for Europe, it's like centralized. Like every part of Europe is like within mm-hmm. three hours drive or something. Versus uh, what, a, you know, $1,200 plane ticket to get to Kona. Yeah. Um, and, you know, talk about one of the, Slovakia most likely can't be that, that expensive. As far as, you know, cost of living versus Hawaii, which is like double the cost of living. Yeah. Uh, So most likely a little bit more appealing to pros than flying to Hawaii, training there for a month in preparation, and then flying out. So we'll see if this takes traction. They they tried to do that um, when they took over the Rev Rev 3 series. They tried to put like a championship series together, Mm -hmm. and it didn't really work out too well. Right. Yeah. Um, Well, there we are. Yes. And also, there's 300 loyalty slots for age group triathletes who participate in at least four challenge events within the qualification period, which I'm trying to see what the yeah, qualification those is. Don't, those red three doesn't count anymore. Yeah. But anyway, that's pretty neat. So yeah. I think it'll be up to the athletes to make it into something big. If they believe in it and they make it big and, uh, you know, as big as they've made Roth and uh, really get into it, then... Um, that itself will make it big. I agree. Because honestly, you know, Kona is just another race. It's the athletes who have made it. Mm-hmm. When I take a very zen approach to it, you know, it's Kona. The prestige of Kona is what we make it. Oh, the last thing is, is that it's going to move around every year. Oh, that is. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so is it could be a different location. Uh, around Europe? I don't know. I don't think this because, where it says... Anyway, there's a press announcement on um, on Challenge's website, and it's made the, the rounds. So uh, I think that's about it. And then also, let's talk about um, Starkowitz's blazing averaging of 31.5 miles per hour <laughs> in um, New Orleans. Um, in, I thought it was 28. Uh, it was 31? His, like, his um, bike split. Yeah. Was insane. Like, um, I think Nola's out and back, uh, the New Orleans course is out and back. So when he hit the turnaround and came back, he averaged 31.6 miles per hour right. on the bike. Um, which just, you know, that's blistering fast. I know. And then overall, he went 340 and change. So I um, talked I talked to him on Twitter um, privately, just a, a quick back and forth. Uh, trying to schedule him to be on the next show. 
Um, it would be awesome to see like what his bike training still yeah. consists of. Well, basically, he trains in the most horrible place you can train, which would be outside of Chicago year-round. Yeah. <laughs> that makes you stronger. Yeah, and like he says, he does that on purpose to make him – that the conditions at, at New Orleans was terrible. Well, really windy, you know, mm-hmm. and he said that's nothing compared to Chicago winter and, and spring and, and – well, just everything except for Chicago summer. And yeah, that's really amazing. So uh, we'll see if it works out. He's um, somebody sent me a private message and said, Hey, if you get, if you get uh Starkey on, ask him about this. And then they sent me a link and like two days after the race, he went and rode a hundred miles. Like, uh, you know, at some crazy speed, just as a training ride. <laughs> it's on Strava. <laughs> That is insane. He's a bit of a beast. Yeah. All right, let's take a break from the interview and talk a moment about our big new sponsor, Salt Stick. All right, I love this stuff because I have been doing Salt Stick and a cousin of Salt Stick just taking uh, salt pills, which are hard to find, actually. Uh, You have to order them from the pharmacy, and then they show up, and then uh, they don't come in any kind of uh, dispenser or anything like that. have to put them in a Ziploc and then carry that around. It turns into a real mess, man. But Salt Stick has it covered because they are electrolyte capsules that you can uh, you can break them open if you want and then shake them into a bottle because they're just capsules. I've done that. And uh, you can take them as needed. It's really, really cool because sometimes you don't want salt. Sometimes you do need salt. But I can tell you one thing for sure. Water doesn't work without enough salt. It just doesn't. It's not sticky. So let me tell you about a cool study that scientists did on triathletes. They gave half of them salt stick caps and the other half sports drink like Gatorade. The athletes that took salt sticks finished a 70.3 race and an average of 26 minutes faster than the control group. 26 minutes. That's absolutely crazy. So you got to make your water stick with salt stick or else it doesn't work. That's my own tagline. I came up with it. They're going to have to run with that. All right. You can get 25% off your order of salt stick with discount code ZENTRY25, all caps. ZENTRY25. Say it. ZENTRY25. All right. And it can be used through the website shopsaltstick.com. Go check it out. 25% off. That is good. Hashtag good. Believe it. All right, let's get back to our interview. Well, cool. You have any other any other news? Well, those are the two things that came across uh, my, my feeds um, in the past couple of days. The, um, only other small know, thing, like technologically, I tried to get uh, SRAM wireless shifting for my new bike, and the word on the street is you can't get it unless you buy a whole group set, which like is ridiculous. Yeah, it's about. I think it's yeah. It's a, it's a pretty. It's pretty high price. Yeah, and you don't um, need it. Like a lot of people don't need it. They just want the shifting. And they're talking about July or August when they're mm-hmm. going to start selling the pieces that just the shifters and the derailleurs. Yeah, and they're just going to fly off the shelf. They're. I think they're they're, they're the next hot item because well, I was at a um I was at a uh, slow twitch roadshow expo. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, um, you were yeah. you were on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I went to um. There was one at my old bike shop back uh-huh. in DC. So when I was visiting, it worked over that I was traveling there, mm-hmm. uh, and we I went to the the road show and worked the road show. So Dan Enfield does exist; he is a real person. He's real. What does he look like? Um, is he tall? Yeah, he's fairly tall. He's about your height, actually. Oh, that's uh, terrible. And just kind of a 
No wonder he's so grumpy all the time. He t- yeah, he's the type of person who kind of gives off a, a grumpy air. Yeah. Um, but he's like a he reminds me of a retired hippie that's kind of gone to sea. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of got that gruff, gruff. Like maybe he lives on a houseboat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like the backwaters of a lake. Yeah. Um, like and he was wearing he was wearing like a, a denim jacket too, which kind of just set off the whole entire his whole entire persona. Have you ever um, spent a lot of time in a marina? Does he look like he lives in a marina, like yep. on a boat? <laughs> yep. And uh, bandana. Um, so yeah, but nice guy though. Um, incredibly knowledgeable. I saw him, you know, fit a couple bikes oh, on, yeah. on uh, and like design a couple bikes. So, yeah. um, but he there was a um a demo by the SRAM, uh, the SRAM ETAP person. Mm-hmm. And that is some smooth shifting. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm saving up right now to get, um, to get for my next, you know, dream bike to get that on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like, think about like, not only like the shifting, but also like when you're traveling to a race and you have to break down your bike, you don't have to worry about the cables and mm-hmm. bending the cables and stretching the cables. Right. Um, and even with like like uh, Di two, um, you still have cables involved, and you worry about stretching the cables there or breaking the cables or snapping the cables when your you know your bike is in transport. With you know with wireless, you don't have to worry about that. That's true. That's true. But I eventually I just caved and I I ordered the uh, Shimano ones. I was like, uh, well, nice. I got a new bike coming that I can't. I, I I promised myself electronic shifting at this point by now. So. It is well worth it. Yeah, because you get shifting out on the bullhorns, and mm-hmm. and you really that that is a true upgrade. That's like a yeah. game changer a little bit. I so, found that when I put Di two on my bike, that I'm shifting you know twice to three times as much, oh, um, which yeah. just may improve my bike performance. Um, because I'm like when I, before when I just had sh- you know, shifting. Um, on, on the TT bars, and you know, I was climbing a hill. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'll really shift. I'll just mash it out. It's only a little bit longer. Yeah. But now, you know, once I hit, I can you know change gears. Um, I change gears much more you know quickly, and I'm more aware of my cadence. Um, and I'm not afraid to shift. Correct. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. What do you got next? So, all right. So let's talk about Galveston. Okay. Um, kind of a nice interlude into Galveston. So my first question for you, and I, I listened to your old podcast. So you kind of, um, if you have, if you're just listening to this one, I would go back and listen to. I think it's like around one hour ten that you start to get into uh, into the Galveston show notes. But you know, you've raced Galveston for you know several years now, mm-hmm. um, and you take meticulous notes before and after your race. Right. Um, so going into this race. Did you look back on your old notes and figure out, all right, this is what I did poorly last year, and this is what I need to do this year? And if so, what did you change this year compared to years past? Uh, let's see. Last year was the year that my power meter didn't work, mm-hmm. and Lionel Sanders didn't either, and a whole bunch of people's didn't. So I took extra care that I had spare batteries and that I checked the power the day before the race. And made sure that it was on and running. I think there's something when you transport your bike, if you your uh, for power taps, if they um, if they're angled a certain, I could never figure out what it is, but it's happened to me several times with transporting a bike where the uh, power meter drains. It's got mm-hmm. relatively new batteries in it, and it drains. So there was that, and um, I've taken extra care. Last year was the year I wrecked on my bike, and uh, my hands slipped off the handlebars. Um, so I put fresh, uh, bar tape on them 
Uh, and luckily also they changed the course just a tad and got it off that old airport runway that had the big oh, slabs of concrete that were <laughs> off camber and giants gashes and all that yeah. stuff. I remember when I wrecked, like another guy wrecked a little while after me and like, uh, anyway, so I made sure I was safer this year. Um, because that wreck really hurt. And, uh, let's see other things. Um, I had a different strategy where I was going to try to do like slower fuel, okay. kind of change up yeah. my nutrition a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And as far as looking over last year's notes, I really didn't because it was still really familiar in my mind. And, um, and I wasn't, uh, too particular. I was more just kind of playing around with stuff. It's not an A race. It was like a B race. So mm -hmm. I was just kind of not trying to improve too much over last year, just kind of trying to see what happened. Nice. So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, B races versus A races. Uh, how did you, how do you differ between a B race and an A race? Um, as far as mental approach, training approach, tapering approach. Uh, um, how do you distinguish between the two? Um, and what makes a B race different from a race as far as your, you know, attitude going in, into it race morning. So the, uh, definitely I would have, if it was an a race, I would, I tapered for about four days mm -hmm. maybe. And people need to understand that like, uh, tapering is relative to the experience of the athlete. Right. right. So if you're used to doing Ironmans, then a half Ironman, you really only need to taper, you know, not as long, anywhere near as long as somebody that's like going into their very first half Ironman, you would want to taper a, a lot more and be really fresh. Um, and then, so anyway, um, so I would have tapered, if it was an A race, I would have tapered a couple more days. Um, and I would have been a little bit more particular about my food the day before and uh been more picky about what i ate and then also an a race i think has what i do is i take a lot more risks so this like i said this race i was playing it safe with trying not to wreck mm -hmm. because my real a race is canada this summer and my recent experience is if you get injured uh, my last injury in december has i mean that sidelined me big time and I don't want another one of those. And uh, so when it was like into taking corners. Sure. Sure. And also, so kind of um, as far as nutrition goes for yeah. a B race, if Gallison had been an A race for you, what, what, what would you have done nutritionally different versus this one? So were you experimenting with stuff in this one to figure out yeah. what would work because it's a B race? Or kind of did you figure out a nutrition side of it? This is what I might do for Ironman Canada. Let's see if it works here. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. I was trying more of like an Ironman, an Ironman fueling uh, program. So more fat the day before and the day mm -hmm. of and uh, the morning of. And then um, more. I did UCAN and about uh, half as much fast burning fuel like Gatorade and maltodextrin mix like gels kind of stuff that I make myself. And uh, uh so I was doing like 100 calories or so per hour of UCAN, which is a real slow-burning, really slow-burning yeah. carb. It's still a carb, but it's like crazy slow. And that was kind of filling me up. And I was also uh, at, at about 100, 150 maybe calories per hour of 
my my homemade gel stuff. Okay, so it's like what two fifty an hour total. Yeah, and that's I, what I found was that slow burning stuff. Um, it filled me up so much that I didn't really want to eat more. And then my heart rate was probably 10, 15, 20 beats lower than what it usually would be if I was racing a half hour. I was not, I was not able, I was not interested in pegging it out in the, you know, zone three, mid zone three. Right. And so I was in easily in zone two, but I was really, really happy in zone two and feeling really good. And I wanted to see, oh, um, if I, if I did zone two like this for a while, what is that? What kind of Watts is that? You know, heart rate wise. And it was really good. And, um, uh, on the, and then I was also holding back on the bike and on the fueling because I wanted, every time I do Galveston, I get kind of sick to my stomach about halfway through <laughs> the, uh, either by the start of the run or halfway through the run. The heat, yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to see you know, what would it take for me not to get sick on the run? So I was kind of holding back on the simple sugars to see if it would work. And it did. I felt, uh, my stomach felt great on the run. On the run, I was doing kind of like a mix of 50-50 Gatorade and water, you know, at the aid stations. I'd take like a sip of Gatorade and a sip of water. And then, um, uh, and the other thing is I've got uh, an injured foot. My left foot has plantar fasciitis and a heel spur in it really bad. So I didn't want to push it on the run, and I didn't want to feel sick on the run. I've done so many races, I'm tired of feeling sick on races. <laughs> so I kind of held back and just kind of got in the zone and just enjoyed mm-hmm. being kind of in an Ironman zone and then um, and then sprinted the last mile, you know, on the run, maybe. Maybe half mile, maybe mile, something like so- that. With, with regards to your, um, with the you can notice in your your race notes that you felt a little flat. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that was because of the you can? Yeah, um, I don't think I've really figured out how to fuel with it exactly. Um, mm-hmm. It does something where I wouldn't call it irritates my stomach, but I notice it in my stomach. Gotcha. And so what I've tried now is instead of a serving every hour, is what I'm mess- messing with now is a serving every hour and a half, maybe. And kind of okay. not do as much of it because that stuff works. Yeah, it, it's amazing. But you know how much you need and 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 is not something that I've really kind of figured out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's good for Ironman and kind of that zone two mm-hmm. and maybe like low zone three efforts. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely suited for that. Yeah, um, but if yeah, if, as you said in your notes, like if if you want rocket fuel. Then it's not gonna. It's not gonna. If you're going high, you know, zone four, low zone four, then uh, definitely just go with the simple sugars. Yeah, it's more like it's more like diesel, mm-hmm. and there's definitely a place for that. I felt great, you know, but I could not. I did not have the energy to really, yeah, peg out my heart rate and go really, really, really fast. But I was also happy at the same time, like just cruising along with mm-hmm. it. So. Yeah. So were you able to figure out your Ironman zones and for the heart rate and for the wattage? Oh yeah, man. Like I can do, I can do, well, I, I did a five Oh two and that was kind of an Ironman pace. It felt like. So, um, I think I averaged a heart rate of 130 or something. I forgot what I wrote down, but, um, what's so cool now is you can go back and look at that stuff. Yeah. And I was doing well above what, uh, well, I was doing right at a good a good heart rate or a good watts. 
for Iron Man, like 220, 225. Okay, so what is that, like 60% of max? Oh, yeah, dude. Like, like uh, my FTP is just over 300, and I'm sitting there doing 225. And in Galveston, years before, I've done... 250 watts. Nice. I can, I can easily like it was. I was some. There was something wrong during the race, but it didn't bother me. You know, I was like, "This is weird." I'm not in training with no taper. I go out for two hour rides and I can do 240, 250 watts. <laughs> and now during this race with taper, I'm doing 225, 230, and I feel like that's all I really got. If that you know, yeah. and keeping keeping it safe. And I was like, that's really odd. And um, I felt like it was, yeah, it was the fueling. Like, I guess. It, it's really hard to tell. Yeah, because you're on that, that, that's about, yes, uh, I just did some quick calculations. That 220 is about 70, 73% of your, of, your FTP, of your FTP, which is kind of like what you want to go for in an Ironman. Exactly. Uh, versus like 80%, which would be about 240, 250, which is like what you were doing in practice, yeah. um, which would be like a good half Ironman you know, goals, those high seventies, low eighties, um, percentages. So that, that's kind of, you know, every, that seems like everything's lining up. Um, but since, yeah, you were going for that Ironman kind of zone mindset, you know, 220 seemed to, you know, suit you well. Yeah. And I, I'm looking right here in my notes that I sent you, uh, no stomach pain, none. And that's, that's critical for the run. I mean, you yeah. can blow yourself out on the bike and then once you get to the run, you get stomach pains and you get dizziness and you're dehydrated and you're not able to even complete the half marathon. So yeah. And my longest, good. my longest run leading up to that race, I was always doing six mile runs. And then one time I did a 12 mile run and that was it. That's my longest run since, uh, ultra baby in October. Was it was always like a six mile run, maybe a six and a half, and then I did one twelve mile run, and I was sitting there on the run, just going, "Could I keep doing this for a marathon?" You know, in spite that I haven't really been running all that much, and I thought, "Yeah, I really could." <laughs> that's the answer, dude. I feel great. Like I was just jogging along, going, "Wow, this is really." And Emily, that's another thing is to ask somebody else how you looked. Emily said, "Yeah, you looked fantastic. Like you were just jogging along, smiling and waving and having a good time." So. Uh, that's that says a lot. So I'm really yeah. excited about it. Um, I need yeah. to. I'm, I'm doing a um, 100 mile bike ride on Sunday. Uh, nice. It's like a charity ride, and I'm going to test out the fueling on that too. I'm gonna I'm gonna spread out the you can to an hour and a half instead of an hour, and see um, if I'm able to get higher watts and feel better. I remember, I forget, when UCAN first came out, I remember reading that if you mixed it with like MCT oil, mm-hmm. that it went down more smoothly and kind of mitigated that stomach effect. So try try that. Oh, I got some of that. Um, yeah. I, I use it I, to lube my bike chain. I'll, to, I'll see if I can, uh, see if I can um, dig that up. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, MC, mixing it with MCT oil would help with the, with the stomach pain. So that might be something, might be something to experiment with. Yeah. Totally true. Yeah, it mixes well with MCT oil. It kind of just lubes it, so it's mm-hmm. just, it's yeah. It just felt. I wouldn't even call it. It's almost like it felt itchy in your stomach, like um, interesting way to describe it, like gritty or abrasive. Mm-hmm. It's just odd, but not not enough to be a problem. But it's just interesting. So, all right, let's take a break. I want to jump in here and talk about another sponsor of Zen Try Living Fuel, Living. Fuel is awesome. Let me tell you about one of their products. Livingproteinisthebomb.com. <laughs> 
It's a non-soy vegetarian yellow pea brown rice protein with added fiber, prebiotics, probiotics. Perfect for your green smoothies that are likely missing a key macronutrient. Protein exclamation point. They put that in there because they knew I would say it. They have it in, they call it tubs, but it's these canisters with a big screw top lid. I add it to uh, my workout fuel, my recovery fuel. It is so good. I had uh, the green, uh, what do they call that green drink? I don't know. I just use it so much. I don't even look at the label anymore. The stuff is so good. I just, I keep it at work. Uh, I have a healthy fridge at work, a little micro fridge, a mini fridge, a dorm fridge. And uh, I keep, uh, carrots and apples and stuff like that around there and uh, healthy sprouted wheat bread, sprouted grains bread, and then also uh, living fuel stuff. I love it, man. I also did a long workout last weekend where I put a living fuel uh, amino acid mix in with my uh, carbs uh, to give a little bit of protein mix to it. And um, man, it was really, really good. It worked out great. I had a great workout. So go check out livingfuel.com. They have a huge variety of different stuff. Almost all of it has some kind of fiber or healthy something uh, as the major ingredient, if not the entire ingredient. So you will definitely have a lot of choice in there going and checking them out. And they are a big supporter of Zentri. They approached us on the show, which I'm a big fan of. They listen, they support us, help them out. All right, go check out livingfuel.com. So you mentioned your, your training with, uh, in the lead up to Galveston. Uh-huh. What was your training like? Um, it is a B-race, so obviously you're focusing on Ironman Canada. So maybe you swapped out some of the more intense for the Zone 2 because you had that Ironman Canada in mind. Kind of take us through a little bit with uh, just a general overview of what your goals were training for, uh, what your goals in training were leading up to this race and as well as what's going to change after this race leading up to Ironman Canada. Well, I kind of held back on the training, the crazy like training Mm -hmm. hours because I know that that's going to come before Canada. And so I didn't want to burn myself out with mega hours, you know? So I actually did somewhat shorter hours than what I typically would do and just a little bit harder intervals um, instead and on purpose did more family stuff and uh, family does come first. That's yeah. Sure. And uh, yeah. And with, um, I know we're, we're going to talk about Zwift, the, um, that new mountain in Zwift. I mean, yeah. that thing, I, I just did so much training up that thing. And uh, I found that just to be so incredible. Um, and the thing is Galveston's like a flat race. So there's no real, you know, hill climbing, but, there's just something about that Zwift, man. <laughs> well, it's so convenient. With the mountain, um, I've done a, a, a double pass. Mm-hmm. So you go up it from one direction, you get to the top, you turn around, you go down the other side, then you turn around and do it again from the other side. Oh, yeah. That's a killer workout. I've done that. Hashtag, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, Do you do it all the way up to the radio tower when you do that? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's such an amazing ride. It's, so amazing. It? Yeah. Um. A uh, couple more questions on Galveston, and then we'll get to Canada, Iron Canada and um, on Zwift. Um, set up for your bike, um, disc wheel, and then a shallower wheel up front. Um, obviously, that helped you with the aerodynamics, but it was a windy course, so that having not having the 808 up front was a, a, a good call. Hydration-wise, it's a hot race. What did you do for hydration? How much did you have it on the bike, and will that change for Ironman Canada? Yeah, so... Um on the wind thing, I was out on training rides with the 808 and I found it difficult, just to, you know, just a tad bit difficult to drink and eat. 
and I thought on race day that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any trouble drinking or eating on your bike, that what what's difficult during training, you're going to totally not going to be able to do during a race. So um, I switched to the shallow wheel. Um, I started a thread on Slow Twitch and asked um, how did people feel it was, you know, um, one way or the other. I didn't give my opinion one way or the other. And um, people, a lot of people said they were fine with the 808s in deep dishes. And I was like, well, good for you. (laughs) But uh, I just, I was glad that I didn't uh, have that, that I went to a shallower wheel. And then, um, uh, let's see, hydration. Um, I was picking up water. I looked at the race course ahead of time. There's an aid station about every 10 miles. And I figured that was enough water. And it was. Um, so I pick up water at the aid stations. I have an aero bottle on the front, one of those uh, yep. torpedoes. Yep. So I had water in that at the start. And I had, um, in the, I have an aero bottle, you know, on the frame, uh, done by the, done by the crank. And in that I had my Gatorade, uh, maltodextrin mix with some, uh, salt stick salts in it. And, um, so that was my fast fuel, right? And then behind me, behind the seat, I had my slow fuel. So what I was doing, I had a UCAN and uh, uh, some amino acid powder, right? And so what I was doing was I was going to drink that slow fuel no matter what. And then when I wanted, when for more energy on top of that, I was going to drink the fast fuel to supplement because this was my Ironman test. Yeah. And so that I kept them separate. So I would get the slow no matter what. And um, I found by the end, I'd eaten all the slow fuel, uh, my, uh, you know, uh, 100 calories of, of uh, UCAN per hour. And, um, and only about just, yeah, maybe two thirds of the fast fuel that I normally would have had. So, so it really would have been a, 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 more, definitely more of a supplement than that, a, your main fuel. Yeah. And like you were asking earlier, and the usual, the usual way I would race, and looking back now, for a half Ironman and faster, um, it's smarter just to do fast fuel. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the stuff that allows you to ramp up your heart rate and go mm-hmm. zone three. And But that's a, that's depending on people's fitness. You know, some people, a half Ironman, that's a long haul. If it's your first or second one, you know, you're going to be out there a long time. Then uh, slow fuel is probably pretty good. You don't want the fast stuff. But when uh, we're trying to race it as fast as we can, then, uh, yeah, the fast fuel is definitely out there. I learned a lesson with that. As far as um, what fuel did you take on the run? What fuel? Yeah, did you take any fuel on the run? As I know, you said um, you you were taking you were mixing in water and Gatorade. Yeah. Was Gatorade your only fuel, or did you have any solids on the on the run? No. Uh, what I did was um, my uh, fuel bottle I had behind me, uh, the slow fuel. I had enough. I had it portioned out correctly so that as I began the run, my last swig of that was to start to give me an hour's worth of UCAN out on the run, uh, another serving of UCAN for the run. And um, so I start in the transition area in T2. I took a big swig, and that was the UCAN, and then uh, then started, yeah, jogging. And so that lasted me, yeah, for uh, half the run, a little bit over half the run. Um, but on top of that, I was sipping a little, at, through the aid station, sipping a little bit of Gatorade and water. And as far as um, next year goes, mm-hmm. what notes are you writing down now to say next year do this, this, and this? Next year, my notes. I've got to sh- to remember to shave my legs the day before the race, so I don't remember. 
at 3 a.m. to do it with Emily's razor that I found in the shower. Because that's not <laughs> too happy with that one. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, fast fuel next year for that race. No, no uh, slow fuel. Um, it's really critical to uh, find somebody to race with that you try to actually have some competition with. Mm-hmm. Um, my PR was, uh, well, you and I did it one year. Yeah, and that I, I, that 20. was a really good race for me. And then the next year or the year after that, I went even faster because uh, I got a friend that he and I were really close in times, and uh, and I used to coach him, so I wanted to beat him. I wanted to make sure he didn't beat me, you know. And then uh, so that was my fastest ever split. And then um, when you're out there without any competition, you're just kind of like it just turns into a, a fun a fun run, you know. Yeah. Which is fine, but you're not going to get your best time out of it. But yeah, I think I think going into the race, you got to be aware of that. That you know, set your priorities. As you said, you know, A races are different from B races, and you just got to approach it with you know a specific checklist of goals that you want to check off um, with. You know, getting a PR and not being one of them. Yeah, and gosh, just thinking about it, man. Like I was a I was a litter box of injuries. So my left arm, you know, just recovering from being broken. (laughs) I don't want to bang up. I don't want to strain my arm and re-break it in some crazy way. I didn't want to crash on my bike and re-break my arm. Uh, I didn't want to pedal too hard and strain my foot because I don't know if my foot injury comes from cycling or from running. The plantar fasciitis. Mm -hmm. Your, Your plantar fasciitis. Yeah, it could come from either. It could be from cycling too hard. And, uh, and then I also wanted to not get sick on the, I wanted to try something and finally not get sick on the run from too much sugar and get, um, lightheaded. You know, my problem is, is I overfuel <clears throat> and then I, then I get lightheaded and start getting sick and I wanted to almost underfuel to see what that felt like. So, well, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. I had a good race, finished super happy. And, uh, didn't get, didn't wreck. And, uh, and now more importantly, you are primed to start training for Ironman Canada. Yeah. I'm in one piece and, um, learned a little bit about that. You fueling. Like I used, you this morning on a, I was doing a hour and a half run and that stuff's great. Um, I still take a little bit of maple syrup on top of it while I'm running, mm-hmm. but not much. And my, my, uh, my energy level is just solid, you know? It just does not allow you to bonk. It's mm-hmm. it's great. So for training, I, you know, the longer stuff, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, definitely for the longer stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, short sprints, maybe not so much, but for the longer stuff, mm-hmm. you know, for that, for that steady pacing, mm-hmm. def- it, as you said, it doesn't allow you to bonk. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, your reference to Ironman Canada. Um, you know, and specifically Zwift training, because, you know, you're in Texas, you're going to a very hilly course up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, how are, how are you utilizing Zwift? Uh, and what does your typical workout look like? Well, I alternate between long intervals some days and short intervals other mm-hmm. days, because I, I, I'm a big believer in both, like, uh, the, the 20 minute long intervals, you know, or more at below threshold, uh, just teach you stamina, you know, yeah. uh, because there's a hill, there's two hills on this thing that are like 30 minutes long. 
and yeah, the mountain passes. Yeah, and then there's um a bunch of you know short little things stuff like that. So when you get bored or you feel like the long intervals aren't really improving you anymore, it's nice to switch over to doing short intervals, like just a few minutes and over threshold. You know, so like if my FTP is three. 300, 310, something like that, then doing them at like 350, you know, and really making the legs burn, but for shorter periods of time. And I find that really uh, mixes things up. And then um, like tonight and uh, mixing in intervals or mixing in bike rides where I'm just watching TV. Yeah. Or, yeah, I find if I do Zwift, I get caught up in the game. And then you see oh, that's the trap. The lift trap is when you see someone passing you, and you, you know you're supposed to be only 240 to 250 watts, but someone passes you, like, ah! <laughs> or um, or uh, if uh, what gets me is, you know, I just one lap, or oh, I'll take really, really easy. And then I see, oh, I was only you know, 20 seconds off the jersey for that hill or for that segment. Yeah. I think I'll go for a little bit harder next time. And you, you, you undermine your workout if, if you get by into that trap. Yeah. Um, yeah, it can get really tempting. So it's good for specific workouts, but if you're just chilling, it's mm-hmm. so easy in a rat race. What I like, and but also it works against me, is the, um, the workout metrics and big fat numbers. And so it's telling you your watts and your cadence. Mm-hmm. And then I'll find that that's both wonderful, but then it ends up doing me in. Um, something I've, that triggers me is if my watts start dropping, I, I try too hard to keep them up or to get them to like a number that whatever, for whatever reason that day, I think significant. I'm like, oh man, I could almost finish this ride like averaging, you know, 250 watts, you know, when what that number doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It only means the the value that you assign it. Yeah. So I'm like, why? It's it does me in, you know. And um, so that's why I'm saying some sometimes I'll do rides where I don't even. I've done rides where I'll have Zwift running, but it's where I can't see it. Yeah. Because I love the metrics that it has. That when you go, when you do want to see them, uh, they're so good. And I think. Instead, my trainer, if I ride on the trainer um, and I just record that to my Garmin uh, for an hour, it'll say I did um, 18 miles, right? The way that the way the resistance is on the trainer. But on Zwift, it'll say that I did 21 miles, which is a whole lot more realistic. Yeah, because and, you get the elevation. Program. And, and you also get the, um, yeah. you also get the yeah, yeah, elevation yeah. changes on, uh, with, the, with the Zwift uh, profile. Yeah, and it'll say you did three... 2,000, 1,500, 3,000, whatever, feet of elevation gain. And and I'm like, that's capturing real numbers of what you would have done in the real world, right? So then when you look at your training peaks results, it's and you look at your miles for the week or your elevation <laughs> gain, those numbers are way more realistic than if you just rode the trainer by itself. So, And as far as um, even, you know, long intervals or short intervals, especially for the hills, mm-hmm. um as far as, you know, weekly mileage is go, do you have a weekly goal set for um, kind of getting up into that Ironman range? Uh, I did earlier this year. Um, I'd have to go look at it now mm-hmm. um, to see what it is uh, because I got off track a little bit with, um, yeah, getting into the whole Galveston 
uh, training, you know, specifically for that. Um, I had a plan earlier this year where I, every weekend I was going to keep making a longer bike ride and a longer run mm-hmm. up until a point. Um, that way to tr- to really practice full Ironman distance as much as I could. So to like do a three hour ride and a and a two hour run, and then the next week to do three and a three hours and fifteen minute ride and a two hour run, you know, and keep growing it and keep learning each time, you know, what works. Because my big limiter is fueling. Yeah. On paper, yeah. I I should be around a ten hour uh, Ironman, like on the button. On paper. On paper, yeah. but every single time on the run, I get. Uh, sick to my stomach. And, so, yeah. as far as your prep, as your lead up to uh, Ironman Canada, mm-hmm. what are you going to be doing to specifically target that? You know, obviously, you know, Galveston was a great step forward, and that the fact that you were able to run off the bike without a stomach ache. Yeah. Um, what are you going to be doing in practice now to kind of keep that momentum going and kind of even even tweak it even further so that you're able to you know. Um, be even better off the bike. Yeah. So what I started doing was, uh, leading up to Galveston, I started doing two hour rides with a one hour run. And John Hirsch taught me that he said, you know, the best way to practice, uh, for Ironmans is to do long bricks Mm -hmm. and practice your fueling so that, you know, uh, cause you can do all the training in the world, but if you don't have your fueling, right. And you, it comes undone. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I have to do. I have to do long. I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. I have to do long days and learn the fueling mistakes from each one and try different stuff until I nail it. Because um, my easy pace is, is uh, it's decent enough. So I just got to not get sick. Yeah. Not get sick and not get injured. Oh, yeah. That. And then um, all my Ironmans have been hot. And this one probably won't be anywhere near as hot. It might, It could be hot. But there's nothing hot like Texas. Like it's insane. So um, it's a seat. Yeah, uh, hotter than Fourth of July. Yeah, hotter than Fourth of July on a tick's belly. <laughs> yeah, I just made that up. But the uh, uh, the the pressure from the heat, you know, cooking you from the outside in, uh, really just makes people sick to their stomach. Yeah, and um, and at 180 pounds, that's like that's a Oh man, dude, you cook fast. And uh so I'm looking forward to Canada being a cooler race than Texas. So Now, will you have to deal with elevation there? You know, there's elevation gain on the bike and stuff like that. You know, it's hilly. It's yeah. one of the hillier races. Um but it's actually not high elevation as far as altitude goes. Um okay. even even though that you know, it's near Whistler, or it's the ski resort town and stuff. Um it's so much cooler up in Canada that they can have ski resorts at a much lower elevation. So I think it's like maybe 2000 feet elevation or something like that. So that's nothing that's going to affect you. No, it shouldn't much. Shouldn't. <laughs> on paper. On paper. Yeah. Shouldn't on paper. All right. I want to jump in one last time and give a shout out to Amrito Bars, longtime sponsor of Zentry. Great stuff. I wonder how many I've had today. At least one. I think I had one uh, today after my swim. Oh, man, apple cinnamon. It's so good. They have so many different flavors. They have a recovery bar, a maca chocolate. Oh, my God. It's the best. Oh, you know what? One thing I really love about Amrita Bars is the wrapper is like uh, it's kind of like a Cliff Bar or a Laura Bar where you can kind of easily open one end of it, and then you can take a bite 
you can eat like a third of it, just a bite, and then um, fold the wrapper back over the uh, bar and then put it back in the leg of your cycling shorts and then keep on pedaling. It really works. And then uh, you chew that bite and that'll last you, you know, for a while for like uh, 20, 30, 40 minutes. And then uh, you pull the, the wrapper out of the top of your cycling shorts again, you know, down by your knee, you pull it out, work the bar. I'm doing this with my hand. Can you hear that? Work the bar forward a little bit, take another bite, wrap it back up, put it all into your uh, leg again. And uh, then you have whole bars still in the wrapper behind your back. And just pull them out of your cycling jersey, and um, they're easy to chew. They're not like this dry, powdery stuff where you take a bite, and then when you breathe in, the dust from uh, dry, powdery stuff plus um, the wind coming in your face while you're running or biking, all of a sudden you start choking on it. You go, ah, my God, I think I'm dying. What happened? Oh, I wish I had an Amrita bar instead of this. Oh, my God. See? Don't do that. Don't choke on stuff while exercising. Chew on Amrita bars. Don't. Don't choke, chew, and read bars. That's my new tagline. They're going to have to run with that. Okay. <laughs> they also have a club. It is called the Amrita Club, of course. AmritaHealthFoods.com slash product slash Amrita Club. Go check them out. They have all kinds of cool stuff. And also, the discount code for Zentry is, I don't know, is it 20% off? Is it 10% off? You're going to have to go and find out. It could be... It could be 100% off. You don't know, but it's not. But anyway, the discount code is ZEN2016. Go to amritabars.com, amritahealthfoods.com, actually, and go check them out and check out all the pictures and all the cool kit and all the great socks and jerseys and neat stuff they have. I love it. You should love it, too. All right. Let's get back to the interview. Sweet. Um, well, those are the only questions I've, you know, I, I have. Um... It sounds like you got a vision going forward for Iron Man Canada, and it sounds like you're going to nail it. Yeah, you know, one thing I've learned is um, that I'm doing, I read that book by Scott Adams, the Dilbert book. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it's not, it's by the guy that does Dilbert, you know, but he wrote a book on um, his, how he achieved a lot of his goals. And every day I write out, uh, this is something he said to do, I write out the, um, I'm going to qualify for Kona at Iron Man Canada, and I write it out 10 times. And I write out how, you know, by fueling correctly, by training correctly so that I know how to fuel. And um, whether it works or not, um, just by going through the process and telling yourself, making you think about it every day, just makes yeah. you think about how to do it right. Yeah. So you, those intentions. Yeah, you significantly up your chances of doing it right, at least, by thinking about it every day. And I use a Todoist as a task manager and it's just a repeating task every day to write that out 10 times. And it, it really, it's really interesting how it makes you um, pay way more attention to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a great tactic. Um, I usually, I, I recommend um, people write out their intentions in the morning, kind of like a, you know, beginning of a yoga practice. They write, you know, you find your intention. So if you write, you know, three intentions for the day, uh-huh. and they don't even have to be like training related. It could be something like, you know, I'm going to eat five vegetables or I'm going to drink eight glasses of water mm-hmm. or, you know, something as something is, you know, I'm going to have, you know, take a deep breath before I respond to an email. You know, those small intentions, you know, sets the mindset for the day so that you do get into that, that winner's mindset that, so, you know, you're focused on it yeah. um, and you don't let it slip. And when you're focused on it and it's at the forefront of your mind, 
that's when things start to come together. Yeah, if you do it first thing early in the day, like so if you don't do it first thing in the day, well then most of the day's gone before you if you remember it all. <clears throat> but if you do it first thing, um what I have it I have a I have a set of repeating tasks. It's like five tasks when I get to work and that's on my every day uh and it's on my list of things to do of uh, that may I've learned over time that have made my life so much better and so much simpler. Um if I do these things right when I get to work every day. So um, one of the one of them is check my calendar at work to see if make to double check as soon as I walk in to make sure what my what time all my appointments are for the day like any meetings or anything like that <laughs> and because you'd be surprised like you forget you get in and you get distracted and you talk to other people and the next thing you know you're late for a meeting yeah I'm the same way with class schedules I always have yeah. to make sure you know when my classes is so I don't have that that oh shit moment of oh am I supposed to be teaching a class right now mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, the worst, you know, feeling in your stomach. Oh um, man. Imagine like a system where you have no oh shit moments for the rest of yeah. your life. Yeah. And then, so right in the middle of that system, I've got, uh, write down 10 times you're going to qualify for Kona, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, who knows, you know, if that's ever going to happen, but it's always fun to like, yeah. see how close it, it works. And, um, it really makes you think, um, cause then you're like, Am I really gonna? What would I have to do to yeah. do that? What do I have to do today, you know, to qualify for for Kona? And that's even a good thing to say. Uh, what do I have to do today to do train right for my next Ironman? You know, is another one. So we'll see. How's your training going? And what do you got next? It's uh, it's going really well. Um, I've got Tempe seventy point three um, coming up in October, October sixteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm training there. So it's it's a little hectic right now with work. Um, uh, just kind of fitting everything in, so it's um, it's more of a strength and development phase. So that once summer hits and you know school's out for the summer, yeah. I can ramp up the volume and I won't get injured. So I'm really focusing on you know getting the power numbers up, getting stronger, um, you know working on the runs, you know controlling the controllables, um, so that once things light lighten up a little bit, I can get back to get back to the normal routine and start ramping it up when I have you know 15 to 16 weeks to go. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's your first big race is all the way off in October, huh? Yeah. So I did a, the Pasadena. My first big race was the Pasadena kind of, and I use big with quotation marks. So mm-hmm. it was the Pasadena Duathlon, um, which was just right around the Rose Bowl up in Pasadena. Um, and it's a 5K run, 15K bike, and then a 5K run. So that was my first like big race, like the one that I was focusing on yeah. all winter for. Um, and that just, you know, it worked with my schedule because I didn't really have to focus too much on the swim. Uh, I could just focus on the bike and the run and I could go there, you know, some weekends and train. Um, so that was last month and, uh, did really well. Um, one overall and missed the, um, missed the course record by, I think it was five seconds, um, <laughs> which was, you know, so close. And I kind of, that sucks, dude. That's so cool. So, like, I kicked myself at the end like if they, I would have gotten it, but oh wow. Uh, but yeah, that was my first, you know, big race and now just focusing on October. Oh wow. Well, oh, you won overall. How many people were in it? Oh, I think there was 300, 350 in the duathlon. Oh, wow, dude. That's awesome. So I was I was pleased. I was psyched with that. Mhm. Um, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to ask you. You went to Sewanee. Yep. University of the South at Sewanee. When I spent the night there uh, as a high school senior i did spend the night and hung out with some uh scene uh, i don't know whatever year they were there was dorms that were like castles yeah they still have them yeah um, did you live in one of those ever 
castles. I lived in, let's see here. Um, was it? No, I didn't get into the castle one, but I, you know, obviously the, you know, the fraternity parties were open. Uh-huh. Um, and there's one fraternity, there's a couple fraternity houses that were just really. Oh, I lost you. Come back. They're like built with, it's always fun to party there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember at the dining hall, wasn't there a bar under the dining hall with like a deer head or a moose head on it? That was, there was a fraternity house like that. Um, but there was a, um, the dining hall, you mostly went to, they actually rebuilt the dining hall, I oh, think okay. after, after you went there, but the original dining hall was in the, now the English department. Um, and I, they did have a, yeah, a lower, a downstairs with a, uh, a, you know, a deer head, I think it was a deer head or a moose head. Yeah, uh, I remember and, uh, it had like women's underpants hanging from the antlers <laughs> or something. Yeah, that's funny for you. Yeah, and I was like, I got to go to school here. This is the best. <laughs> There's like something out of uh, Animal, Animal House. House. Yeah, totally. And the professors wore their graduation gowns to teach yep. class. Yeah. Still do? Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a cool place. I, I want to go. I, like, some days I like. In the middle, of, you know, in the middle of the day, I kind of think, you know, it would be cool to go back there and go oh, back to school. Yeah. Up on the Cumberland Plateau. Yeah. All right, dude. That was fun. It was. Have you back Great on, talking man. to you. Well, you know what? I got an idea for a future episode. Sweet. Um, you and I should do triathlon news, and then um, you and I should both pick slow twitch threads of the week. Did I lose you? Hello? Good out there. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> you, cut out, you cut out there. What was that? Try news and what? Slow twitch thread of the week. Slow twitch thread of the week. Oh, Lord. Uh, the, the stuff we could dig up. I know. <laughs> I I read through them and I'm just like, oh, my. There's no there's no podcast out there that just reviews the, the back and forth that goes on on slow twitch about uh, whatever crazy topic. It would be so funny. I, I made it into slow twitch. Um, that was my, my pride and joy. I made it into slow twitch without having to do something stupid. But no, um, you were just in some photos, right? Were I you? was, yeah. For the uh, I was there for the the road show, so I got in the background of a you know photo or yeah. uh, background of a photo. I'm like, I've made it in life. I've made it on slow twitch without being bashed. Oh yeah, I got bashed one time, and I I called the people out, told them to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um, well. Lock- I was like, you people are horrible people. Rolls on Slow Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you uh, all have jobs? Like, if you go, if we go to the forum, we're not going to do it right now, but if we go to the forum, you got to be careful, man. You don't want to make them too angry. <laughs> Don't stoke them. I know. Don't anger the mob. <laughs> but, uh, let's see. Best computer position, right? Yeah. Or best computer position. And what are some of the other ones that I saw? That one's got only two answers right now. And um, <laughs> the the thread about uh, base salt. Did you see that one? No. Oh, my God. This guy got on there. First post ever on Slow Twitch. So this unknown person with an indistinguishable name account gets on there and writes like a 10-paragraph uh, essay about how base salt is a complete ripoff <laughs> and he's exposing them and people are like, what's your, who are you and what's your problem? You know, he's like, I just gotta, I just gotta tell everybody. And, uh, so then they start tearing into him 
you know, like you're a jerk for doing that. Um, yeah, the whole SRAM ETAP mm-hmm. fiasco going on. Uh, Iron Man Texas swim, basically. Okay. Oh, and the Iron Man Texas bike, the bike course. Oh. Yeah. Do you hear about the bike getting the bike course getting canceled? Well, I should have brought this up in the news news section. Uh, is it canceled or not? Yeah, they canceled it. No. Yeah, I saw it. Um, I I got a, something that came across the wire um, before we hopped on, and I should have mentioned it when we were doing the news feed. They canceled the bike. Let me see this. And there's there is a bailout time, but it's past it. A transition. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that they canceled the bike. No wait. Uh, well, on this thread, people are pissed that Iron Man's not telling them more. It's not being more transparent. But I don't think there's any news. You know to. Let's see. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. Scroll. I, um, oh, wow. Yeah, there's a whole lot of action on this thread all of a sudden. I wrote everything. I keep reporting. I don't mind being wrong. If you don't have concrete knowledge of status rate, then I'll be wrong. Ensure your source. Oh, wait. Golly. It's not a whole bunch happened. I'm trying to scroll up. Um, don't worry. I'll edit out the silences. I wish you could find it. I swear I saw it. Not even on Facebook. There was a joke. Somebody posted a joke where it was a false headlines. They they photoshopped a false headline together that said the bike had been canceled. Maybe you saw that one, but it was pretty obvious that it was fake. Um, let see if I can find it. All right, there, here it is. All right, um, shared by Adam Zuko, and he's a pretty reliable source. Here we are. Um, let me see if I can uh, tweet this to you. Yeah, it looks like, uh, it's just share on FB. Share on FB.com. So it might be, I don't know. Could be a scam, but looks pretty legit. Is it after you watch? If after you start reading the article, after about ten seconds, it goes ha ha. Doesn't look it. Faked you. Okay. Well, it was posted on the twenty first of April, so today. So it wasn't April Fool's joke. Um, the annual two thousand twenty sixteen Herman Ironman Texas scheduled for Saturday, May fourteenth, is now an aquathon. Um, Dude, oh, never mind, Frank. It was a prank. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I told you. Uh, I fell for it. You fell for it. God damn. <laughs> and that is slow twitch for you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you get freaking prank. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, we could have fun with this. A slow twitch. Uh... No, it suck if it got canceled, though. Oh, I know. All righty. All right, dude. Well, it was great talking to you, but I do like that idea. Yeah. Try news and slow twitch form of the week. Yeah. You and I both pick one, and then why it's our favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right, dude. All right, I'll talk to you uh, really soon, man. Sounds good. All right, later. Later. Night.
the energy source, the cosmic force, with prodigy, given astrology, my intellect's the power, with diesel power. Mr. Chris Haig, always awesome in interviews, and you can go find out more about Chris at chrishaigracing.com, one of the best coaches out there. You can tell he's just a really nice guy that really knows his stuff, a lot of experience going on there. All right, before we get into the uh, emails from people, uh, we should do a little bit of a news update. Some stuff has happened since uh, we started the interview. First off, uh, I've recorded another interview with Andrew Starkowitz, and that is super cool. And what I did is I took a different angle. The whole thing with uh, Starkey, as people like to call him, being uh, 
an interesting interview because he's really blunt and is not afraid to tell the truth about how he feels about stuff is kind of, in my mind, that's kind of old hat. Uh, everybody's been around the block with that. And I actually wanted to interview him because he is factually one of the top, top, top triathletes out there, uh, long distance, uh, half and full Ironman. I mean, the guy is legendary. Uh, for his bike skills and he's actually the full package all the way around and all the way around and he's um a real score in an interview because i like to find out what the pros are doing so uh, listeners and myself can contrast uh, what we're doing wrong and uh, we can uh, learn from him and i did a really good job of that of finding out how he gets everything all set up on his bike how he trains how he races the different equipment he uses and why training methods i mean it just goes on and on and on uh and uh every once in a while we kind of diverge into some other stuff but in general it's uh really good stuff that um i'm really proud to have uh, done this interview with him and I can't wait to get it out there. So that'll be next episode. And he's doing Ironman Texas as his next race. He just won New Orleans 70.3. He's doing Ironman Texas 140.6, which by the way is not going to be 140.6. They've shortened the bike course on Ironman Texas uh, from 112 miles down to, I think, 95 miles. And I think it has 80 something turns, which is well more than twice as many turns is usual in a race and it's going through subdivision streets. So a lot of people are really upset. There's uh, many different things. The bike course is too ridiculous. The bike course is uh, not long enough. Um, so are you actually an Ironman? Because the total distance you're going to do is not, um, well, you're 12 plus five. So 17 miles short or so of a um, Ironman bike. And that's significant. Uh, the bike course is a little more challenging in a way with all the turns and stuff, uh, but still not quite an Ironman. So then you get into that uh, philosophical discussion is, are you really an Ironman um, for doing that course? For those people that are doing it, to say it's your first one or uh, one of your first ones and uh, you want to say that you've done so many Ironmans, is it really an Ironman and, you know, or does it have an asterisk next to it uh, saying it's not exactly real? And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of fall on the side of it not really being an Iron Man, um, but I also kind of fall on the side of uh, you know the only real Iron Man is the one in Kona, and um, everything else is kind of uh, trying to replicate it. It doesn't. It's not really the exact same thing. And then you could go all the way to say the only real Iron Man was the very first one in Kona, and um, everything else has been uh, an effort to. Um, to replicate is not exactly the same. So I don't know. That's that's your own business inside. You'll know when you do it uh, how you feel. And honestly, uh, when I did my, I was signed up. I was about to register for my first Ironman. I was getting around to it because it wasn't a, a big Ironman brand. It was out here in uh, Texas, and it, you could register with like a month left, no problem. And uh, Kai, I was training for it. And I was going to do it. And then Kai was born two and a half months early. Well, then there was no Ironman for me. And I just went off and did one on my own uh, when I found time. And uh, that started all the self-supported Ironmans that I do and the Ultraman. And um, it's been, uh, it changed my life ever since to know that you can go do the distance on your own and then you can do one any time uh, that you want and plan it around your family and your life. And uh, then you know you've done it. And actually it's in a way, in a way, it's uh, even more challenging because 
if you're going off to do somebody, you know, like a WTC or a challenge or a Rev three or something like that, um, Ironman uh, brand uh, race, you're really you're paying somebody else to set up the race course and make sure that it's supported with uh, food and water and um, and somewhat safe. And uh, if you do it yourself, then you're kind of doing that all that whole part yourself, and so it's a little bit more challenging. So um, if you're bummed about Ironman Texas. Or you hear of people that are bummed about it not being a f- quite a full Ironman. Tell them, hey, man, if it really bothers you, uh, go and do one on your own. This other guy does it. Lots of. I thought I was like the only person ever to do that. And then I find out tons of people do it. So there's that. And we get emails all the time from people doing it on their own. And then, especially half Ironmans. You can go do a half Ironman as a training day. Uh, have a lot of fun going doing that. Um, but... Um, let me give you the perspective of people that have done a bunch of Ironmans and uh, are in it. You know, they're out there to kind of compete against other people. Well, still, how well you complete the Ironman Texas course is still relative to how well other people complete the course. So um, it's still a race, and you're still whatever percent, top 10% or top 10 or top 20% or, uh, you know, or whatever relative to other people. And they're going to be going as hard as they can, so you you can too, and uh, you can always treat it like that. That's how people that race a lot, like say Starkey in the next interview, he doesn't care what the distance is. <laughs> he just cares <laughs> that other people show up for him to beat, and then therefore he's better than them and gets more points and gets into uh, Kona because you have to get points as a pro to get into Kona. That's in the next interview. It's really cool. All right, uh, along with that, something that sucks is longtime uh, show – friend Angela Nath is out of Ironman Texas. She had some a foot problem and then had a little bit of surgery on her foot and then it turns out it got infected and her foot blew up real big. She posted pictures on Facebook and is majorly on antibiotics trying to kill off the infection uh, that's deep inside and trying to keep it from getting worse. Uh, Emily is a nurse, Zentri Emily, and said that when she saw the picture, she goes, oh my gosh, this is really serious. So it's serious. So I hope Angela is healed. Um, but also a new friend to Zentri, Jocelyn McCauley, who's actually a College Station native like me. Well, I'm, I was actually born in Ohio. Most people don't know that. Uh, Cincinnati, then Franklin, Tennessee, then Birmingham, Alabama, then Houston, Texas, then College Station with a stop off in Harlingen, Texas, and Chicago and San Diego mixed in. Then that's why I uh, I seem like I know more about the United States than I probably should because <laughs> I've lived a whole bunch of different places. Anyway, uh, Jocelyn McCauley is um, she would say the closest pro out there to like maybe like build and size and speed and potential is Angela Nath and um, Aunt Jocelyn was on a show a while back uh, just a few episodes ago and she's great and is. Um, uh, really trying to break into being a top pro and she's in the race now. And now with Angela out, uh, Jocelyn might be your, um, your golden ticket winner. Uh, whoever wins this, um, top pro it's the national championships or re- continental, whatever, North American championships. And you get an automatic ticket to Kona if uh, you win. So, um, I'm rooting for Jocelyn Macaulay. Now that Angela is out, um, I would have rooted for them both and just been really excited to watch the competition. Now Angela's out and uh, rooting for Jocelyn to take it. She's my favorite. Um, and the last piece of news, and the last piece of news is I need crew for Uberman. So uh, this is, is the mega, mega triathlon in um, 
California, Southern California, we're swimming across the Catalina Channel. I know Morgan has uh, crewed for people doing that before, and um, he's going to be my crew chief for the uh, first part, but you still need a couple other people. And it starts in October, maybe October 20th, I think. And the Catalina Channel will be all day, and then about three days of biking 400 miles. And we'll need a, a car, a van or two, like a minivan or two. So if you live in Southern California and you want to bike across uh, Santa Barbara, Malibu, north of LA, over to Death Valley um, over a few days with me, uh, well, you can't bike with me. I mean, maybe you could, but we just need crew. People get tired, and they need the crew needs to exchange members out every once in a while. And then, um, so, you know, three, four, five, six people, and it'll be a party. I mean, you can't go, you can't kill yourself doing these things. You can't go too fast or else you'll blow up. So we need to just relax and, and have fun and laugh and have a really good time. And then, um, we're going to need uh, more crew, probably a whole new crew. If people want to swap out and, um, the last part of it is running the Badwater 135, uh, which will be starting in the bottom of Death Valley and ends up at the trailhead to the peak of Mount Whitney. And that's going to be a couple days at, mo- at least of uh, more crew. So send me an email, Texafornia, T-E-X-A-Fornia, like Texas and California, not T-E-X-I. That chick gets tired of getting my emails. Texa, Texafornia at gmail.com and tell me you're interested in being the crew and we can start putting together a crew and it'll be a blast. All right. I got to take Kai to his next soccer game. We've had three. This will be our third soccer game today. It's a tournament. So we go to the game and then come back, go to the game and then come back and go to the game and come back. And we got to go to his very last one. He won the first one, lost the second one. And now it's time for the the finale. All right. And after that, uh, we'll do some emails. All right. Hold on. All right. We needed to take a break there and drive to Kai's soccer game, and we are now mobile. It's halftime. They're taking a break, and boy, you can tell that this is a podcast put on a real age grouper, <laughs> because I really do have to go places and, and uh, oh, do all kinds of different things and balance it all, balance the real life, uh, being a dad, and a job, and everything with trying to do triathlon, and the whole thing is never give up, man. There's always opportunity to fit in a little bit more training or to train smarter. And so that's how it goes. All right, let me switch back over to our emails. Okay, Jason E. sent in a donation or also got Hornet Juice, which is a uh, supplement, amino acid supplement you can get on the side of Zentri, uh, zentriathlon.com. And maybe y'all can hear that bait and hit. Oh, it's pretty cool. Or multi-complex field. Ooh, let's go over to where the tree frog. Look, squirrels. <laughs> anyway. Let's see if we, it's rained so much. Part of the Ironman Texas course of issues has been flooding, wrecking, and all kinds of flooding uh, destroys roads. Um, let's see. Jason uh, E. sent in an email, and he said, Hey, Brett, um, I got Hornet Juice. I had you use my wife's PayPal, PayPal, <laughs> PayPal account and uh, smiley face. But I've really been enjoying the podcast. I love the free-flowing style, especially during the training log. Hey, that's kind of where we're going next. And really love all the little tips and suggestions. Cool. You know, uh, my job, I end up uh, training interns a lot. I've probably sent 10 to 15 interns out into the real world over all these years, maybe more. And they always say, thanks for all the advice. Always. And they come back and visit with me. And they said, they always say, your advice turned out to be so true. So it's a good thing I do this podcast. I got a place to put all this advice. I wish I would take it, take my own advice sometimes. Okay, Ramon says, come on, expand. 
Hi, Brett. It still feels weird that one celebrity like you wrote me an email. I just got eaten up by a mosquito. We're moving. That's too many mosquitoes. I don't want... Uh, what's the new Zika? Zika virus? Um, so Ramon ordered Hornet juice, and he, uh, he lives in Franklin, Tennessee. I saw that when I sent it to him, and uh, I used to live in Franklin, like I said. So I sent him a note saying, how's, uh, how's the tri-life in Franklin? And uh, one thing I've learned through all the Zen training is to not put your judgment into somebody else's mind. That, that leading the witness kind of stuff. I didn't say, is it tough there, right? I didn't say, is it great there? I just asked, how is it? I don't, I, you can tell when I interview pros, I try to ask without telling, you know, without leading to my own opinion. Because um, you don't want to influence people uh, to go somewhere different than they're already going. They're already really good or, you know, who knows? So anyway, he said, um, I'm a big fan of your podcast and I recommend it to my friends that are into triathlon or running. Hey, dude, do it for the swimmers, too, man. Uh, thanks for sharing your passion. Exclamation point. Franklin is a great place to live. Cool. Glad to hear it. And there's no lack of endurance events around. I'm very happy here. Thanks again, Ramon. And what's funny is when I was a senior in high school and took a Spanish class, everybody had to pick out a Spanish name for the semester or the year, whatever we did. And mine was Ramon. Ramon from Franklin. <laughs> Share a connection there. All right, we got some more... Donations from Justice Phillips, Jonathan Woodman, Hun Chu. Hey, Hun, how you doing, man? And Favia, Katie Joe, Favia. Bradley Hammond. Um, he wrote back. Oh, crap, I lost it. Where'd it go? He ordered some uh, Hornet juice, and he said, uh, I just received it. That stuff is so good that I kind of panic when I run out. <laughs> By the way, I'm loving the back catalog that's up on the Patreon site. I've been listening since around 2005 or so. Thanks for putting out such good content all these years. You're awesome, period. Uh, so the Patreon site, if you go to patreon.com and look for Zen Triathlon, we've got, I've got two years of back catalog, 2011, which is the most epic year of Zen Tri ever. That's the year that I swam across Lake Tahoe, did Alcatraz, and ran a 100-miler, I think, all in one year. <sighs> so that was, a, that was a big year, and that's all up there. Anyway, um... All that stuff's in podcast. So go check it out. I'm thinking about putting the Starkey interview that I've recorded up there um, as a pre-release behind the paywall. And it'll be free, you know, a few days later. But if you want to hear it as early as possible, then I'll announce it, though. Just watch my Twitter and see if it goes up there. I tweet at uh, Zen Triathlon on Twitter. Uh, James Godek sent in a donation, which you can do on the left-hand side of Zen Tri. Matthew Heinz, Je Jessica Woodruff, Allison Frutos, Matthew Froese. And M. Webb all sent in donations. All right, Kai soccer game is about to kick in the year again. I need to get over there. Halftime is over, but you're not done yet. You've got this training log you need to get into. You ready? Let's go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! Yeah! I'm going to do sit-ups till I poop myself. All right, welcome to a new training log. Start date, April 19th. Driving to W2 to ERK. Went for a uh, 1.5 hour. So that's an uh, hour and a half. <laughs> Trying to negotiate it. 
a uh, intersection here. Uh, hour and a half uh, run this morning. Uh, hey, by the way, you know, the whole training log thing is uh, to give you ideas on what to do. It's not to do exactly what I do, but as I do things, I give thoughts on things, on what works and what doesn't work. And uh, then you can be like, oh, I never thought of that. Or to yourself, be entertained and be like, oh, what an idiot <laughs> as you drive to work. But anyway, the, um, the cool thing is, well, first off, Jocko podcast, uh, the guy's an ex-Navy SEAL commander. So not just a, he's like a super Navy SEAL. He's like an action figure. And he posts a picture of his watch every morning what time he gets up. And I don't want to copy him and do that every day, but it is definitely inspirational. So I do it sometimes uh, when, it, when I think about it. And uh, posted a picture this morning at 4.30 a.m. Getting up and getting moving. And having a little bit of, um, let's see, what did I have? I had some coffee with just a, not a tablespoon, half a tablespoon, maybe a teaspoon of maple syrup in it. And I'll tell you where that led in a little bit. And then out of the Keurig. And I'm trying to remember what else. Oh, I had a serving of Hornet juice, uh, which I just ordered a 20-pack. And that was uh, really, really uh, smart in the end. And kind of got going, and then I was kind of sitting around. And usually, I sit around for a while and catch up on things. And I thought, no, nah, man, I'm going to get going. I had, uh, I felt great. And I had some matcha powder. Oh, I had some matcha powder with my uh, horn juice. Hold on. I need to take a break from the recorder for a second. So matcha powder, M-A-T-C-H-A, is ground green tea. So you get the green tea plus a little bit of fiber and some other vitamins and uh, nutrients, actually, that was in the green tea leaf. Uh, if you're just drinking green tea, you're drinking the water that green tea leaves was soaked in. So you're not getting anywhere near as much of the, you're just getting the rinse. <laughs> you want the real stuff. It's like rinsing a salad and then in, eating the rinse water or actually eating the salad, right? So uh, matcha powder, you, come, you just spoon it in. You don't spoon up next to the bag. You just spoon out of the bag. And so I had that with my orange juice, which was pretty cool. And I started running and lo and behold, I started having the problem that uh, I get every once in a while where I had a blood sugar crash uh, about 10, 15 minutes in. And I've learned what that is. First off, first off, you have to look at how you ate the day before. And the day before I had meetings and stuff like that all day at work. So I didn't eat as much as I usually do. So I under ate. And I also, uh, uh, oh, the, um, you know, I woke up first thing in the morning, so I haven't eaten much. Oh, and I, I had the tiniest bowl. I mean, like, just a few spoonfuls of uh, Ezekiel cereal with coconut milk. That's what That was the other thing. And that's, um, that's some hard-to-digest stuff. And even though it's carbs, it's, uh, it's like gravel. And it's like grape nuts. And I'm, uh, so I'm running along, and I start getting lightheaded. Uh, lights. Front, it's dark, so if like a street light and everything starts getting blurry and stuff, and I'm like, God dang it, what's going on? I got a blood sugar crash. What have I done wrong? Oh, whoa, it's me. I'm a horrible person. And um, what I've learned is this is some hard stuff to find. I finally, uh, you know, half a year ago when I was trying to figure this thing out, I finally came across this uh, research article that said, Oh, by the way, there is this one little thing that some well trained athletes get. Their muscles are so adept at pulling blood sugar out of the bloodstream the muscles are 
just straight out of the, out of the bloodstream that if they begin exercise um, and their blood sugar isn't high enough, it will bottom out their blood sugar super fast. And it's just, you've trained your muscles to, uh, yeah, to sponge up blood sugar. And you just don't have enough blood sugar to go on. And you're like, oh yeah. And it said, especially if they've had caffeine. Because caffeine uh, ups your metabolism like all of a sudden. So it shocks the system and the system go, system starts burning through blood sugar. So that lowers your blood sugar. And then you're, you start exercising and your muscles pull the rest of your blood sugar out. And then on top of that, you've got something in your stomach that's a little hard to digest. And then wham, you've got uh, lightheadedness. And then, uh, so what I've learned to do when that happens is uh, you wait um, just a few minutes. You just stand still. It's in my run from today, April 19th, this morning. Uh, I just stood there for a little bit and all of a sudden after about two minutes uh, I talked to some horses there were some horses at a fence line I was like hey what's up and at the uh, well first they're kind of scary horses in the dark one that could be a band name and two they're huge you think about what's an animal that can run like 35 40 miles an hour while carrying you on its back and maybe somebody else (laughs) and how powerful and huge are these things? So they're they're, they're standing in the dark. I'm talking to them. Then they stampeded off. It was kind of wild. It scared the crap out of me, especially with low blood sugar. But then after like a couple of minutes, I felt great. And uh, so my blood sugar came back up from the shock. Hold on. I need to merge with some traffic here. Let's see what's going on. People get greedy with their turning, man. Nobody wants to be patient. So I... Uh, waited just a minute and then uh, started running again when I felt better and felt great and had a um, a wonderful run from that point. That was about 20-25 minutes in where I felt like that and uh, then had a wonderful run for the for another hour and that's when Hornet Juice takes a little bit to kick in and then the uh, Hornet Juice kicked in and uh, I was very lightly sipping on maple syrup just cruising along out of a gel flask. You just pour maple syrup right into a gel flask really cool and um, just cruise along having a wonderful run and the other thing I want to talk about well there's two things if you can you want to do the longest workout possible uh, to train you for endurance because the first part of your workout is a warm-up so uh, you work out an hour in the morning or an hour and an hour in the evening really it's kind of like that's like two half hour workouts because it takes half an hour to kind of get all the systems fired up and, and running right. But if you work out, uh, let's say an hour and a half to two hours, you got that 30 minute warm up, and then the rest of the workout is gold. You know, you're training now that you've warmed up. So if you can, go as long as you can, add, add 15 minutes there, 20 minutes there, 30 minutes there, you know, when you can, because that warm up is kind of throwaway time. And the, uh, the other thing is, is that barefoot run I did the other day, it really fixed a whole lot of stuff. I have not run barefoot since, but it made me realize my form was all messed up. And I went back, I've got two old pair of Nike Freeze that I used to run in all the time. And uh, I've gone back to running in those. And um, it's revolutionary. It's uh, how much different it is in a Nike Free shoe I'm able to feel when I'm landing midfoot for real and forefoot and roll off the forefoot gently. And I ran 
since that barefoot run, I ran again on like a Friday, and then I think, and then on Saturday I ran nine miles, and on Sunday I ran nine miles on really flat uh, terrain, and um, and my foot gets better every day, like it's it's uh, it's healing. Now, the uh, the weird thing is, is there's really there's so many variables going on. You got to try so many different things, and you got to be patient. If you, I've got plantar fasciitis in my left foot, pretty bad. And in my right foot. And it was from training for my uh, Ultra Baby, the self-supported Ultraman the, in the fall. And I'm sleeping with a boot on my left foot. I woke up this morning and uh, it's a boot they make to keep your foot flat. And uh, my left foot felt better than my right foot. And my left foot's the injured one. But I was sleeping in a boot with it. And uh, doing stretches. Uh, the other thing, another variable that you have to think of is uh, your work shoes. I uh, also recently, like about half a month ago, replaced my work shoes, and I think that helped. I've been wearing the same shoes to work for so long, I think they kind of bottomed out and were kind of a mess, and uh, getting new shoes uh, helped things a lot. So just all kinds of interesting different things that seem to have worked, and that's it. All right, I'm at W to the ERK, and I'll talk to y'all later. Out, bang. All right, hippity-dippity, folks. I'm out running. <sighs> Maybe day after the last recording. Woke up this morning with my foot in the boot. Something was good. I said, um, hmm. I put my foot on the ground. Took off the boot. Put my foot on the ground. Started walking. No pain. And then uh, I had to actually search for pain. I had to really kind of roll my heel around. And then I felt a little bit of pain, like with pressure, found the spot. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. So I can't swim because of the tattoo. I've still got another like five days. I posted on a tattoo forum on Reddit. I said, hey man, my tattoo's like totally healed up, feels fine. It's been about eight days. Can I go swim? And two people said, nah, you really shouldn't. And then one dickhead, Go sure if you want to ruin your tattoo for the rest of your life. <laughs> go enjoy a a quick swim. I was like, all right, let's leave that guy alone. He's obviously got issues. So, as my mom said, there's nothing I can't there's nothing I can do to that guy that will make him feel any more miserable than he does already. That's a really good Zen statement. Doesn't take a Zen master on top of a hill to say something profound. Anything profound works. This guy cut off my mom when I was a teenager and I was like 14, 15, kind of learning how to drive a little bit, paying attention. Guy cuts her off and flipped her off. I said, mom, aren't you gonna do something? You gonna honk at him or whatever? Cause she was just like so calm. And she just said, oh, there's nothing I can do to that guy to make him feel worse than he already does about himself. And I was like, oh wow. Wow! Mind blown. But anyway. So, three things are helping me heal this foot. One, not running with the big dog that starts off running, dragging me everywhere. So I have to dig my heels in and slam my feet into the ground. Two, the plantar fasciitis boot. It's like 20, 30 bucks. Bought it off Amazon. Super simple. Super dorky. We always talk about habits and simplicity. I wasn't wearing it all the time because Emily kept putting it away like she does. She puts everything away. And I said, 
the place for you to put this away is on my pillow. You make the bed. I don't make, I don't want to make a bed. <laughs> I made enough beds in military school. I guess it sucks. Anyway, Emily likes making the bed. And you make the bed and then you're walking around going, hey, where do I put this stupid thing? Don't put it in a drawer. Don't put it under the bed. Don't put it in the closet. If I don't see it, I'm not going to put it on. Because by the time I go into bed, I'm tired, right? You are too. I need to brush my teeth more often at night. Maybe I should put my toothbrush in my uh, toothpaste on my bed, on my pillow too. I said, put that thing on the pillow. He's like, that looks terrible. I go, you know what's worse than that? It's my freaking foot killing me and me walking around bitching about it all the time. And she's like, oh yeah, you're right. So, so I lay down to go to bed. I can't lay down unless I move that stupid boot thing. I'm holding it in my hands. It's just as easy to put it on my foot as it is to put it on the ground. Boom, done. And then the other thing was switching shoes at both work and running. I've gone back to wearing Nike Freeze and they, um, you have so much more perception of what you're doing with your foot than the thicker pad. I was wearing Adidas, which I love. These, uh, oh, what's the ones with the super duper material? I'll remember in a minute. But, boost. Those things are awesome. But I can totally tell after that barefoot run that my run form was off. So I went back to Nike Freeze, which is kind of like running in moccasins. Boom, run form fixed. All of a sudden, everything's great. Busy intersection, there's two cars. Huh. Oh, I was running. I'm gonna stop. Running in the rain a while ago. So the funny thing was trying to preserve my left foot. I was running on the other side of the road than I normally do <laughs> and then strained my right, right, my right calf. Pretty good. So it hurts a little bit now, but it's getting better too. And then a nice fix this morning. I changed up my, um, my uh, fueling routine. I did uh, one cup of coffee instead of two over like 45 minutes, just one. Now I don't get that huge caffeine spike and then crash where it blows out all my blood sugar, sucks it all up, burns it off. One cup of coffee, a scoop of maltodextrin, drinking it slowly. Maltodextrin is kind of medium acting speed. It's kind of fast, kind of medium. But one scoop, 100 calories over like half an hour. It's not a big spike. How much time do I got? Let me see. Uh, I should get back to that. Okay. And... Uh, I was deciding which way to go. I'm almost done. And then, um, so I'm sipping that while I'm uh, waking up, surfing the internet some. And then after that was gone, I made a serving of Yukan and matcha powder. Is that green tea? It's got slow acting caffeine in it. Got a little bit of fiber with it. And Yukan is the super slow starch. Crazy slow. Down that, put on my running shoes, my Nike Freeze, and go. I feel freaking great. Way better. No blood sugar crash, all that stuff. If you do the same thing back to back, like back to back days, maybe two days apart, and you pay attention, you can <clears throat> keep track of time and all the stuff. You can see what works and what doesn't. It's called A B testing. So, uh, A work or just B work? <laughs> These red Nike, no, I'm wearing my blue ones. Anyway, I've done the Rocky Raccoon 50 
maybe, well, I don't know what I wore for the 100, but the 50 trail run race, 50 mile, wearing Nike Freeze and set my PR in them. <laughs> the ground control is amazing. And it was pouring rain. It was really wild. So slippery, but still worked better than heavy, hard shoes. Just running in moccasins. I wonder if Nike Free makes a trail running. I might need to get some of those. Anyway, I ordered the custom Nikes a while, years ago. We can pick out the color, and you could even get a name stitched on the side. So I got Zentri on the side. <laughs> so cool. People are always like, whoa, dude, where did you get those? Like, I made them. You can make your own. You get your own little mantra. And then lastly, got a good training tip for the bike. You want to get strong on the bike? Get on there, warm up 10, 15, 20 minutes. You can tell how blown out or recovered you are, how long it takes you to get your heart rate and your power up. If it takes like 20 minutes, you got problems. But anyway, if it takes like 10 minutes, then you're pretty fresh. It's time to do intervals. So I started doing like one to two minute intervals at above FTP. So mine's like 305, 310, maybe. Yeah, that's probably about it. Watts. So I was doing like 330, 340, 350. At a nice and high cadence. So it'd start to burn. And right before my legs would pop, you know, or if you get the if you keep going, you're gonna get the shakes and you're just gonna collapse, your legs are gonna give out right before that. So not to that point. I'd stop, sit up and pedal for like four or five minutes, then do it again. I did that for the rest of the hour. It's just like lifting weights. So if you do work just above your FTP for short bursts, guess what it does? Your body gets familiar with what's above your FTP and it lifts it. It's nice. It's a big difference, different style of training. And, uh, you know, like two by 20 minutes where it's way below your FTP. It's close, but it's below and you're lifting it kind of through the back door. This is right through the front door. Anyway, that's nice. I'm done. Oh, hello. Let's see what she says. 8.84 miles. Let's see. I was just kind of jogging pretty easy. Still trying not to hurt myself. Oh, at a 9.54 average. 9.54 minute mile. Hour and 27 minutes. All right. Uh, running back to back days. Don't want to be pushing it. Still, still healing. There's a train that College Station is named for. Over here, the train station. All right, out, bang. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up this show. Woo, it's Monday morning, first swim in two weeks because of the uh, tattoo. Can't swim for two weeks, that one. And, uh, oh, it felt so good to get back in the water. Uh, <clears throat> yesterday, this whole weekend's been just wild. Uh, we got a new puppy. She seems to be a Mountain View cur, if you look that up. Um, she was tied to a tree out in the field, not mistreated per se horribly, but just neglected. Uh, the guy just didn't have time for her and, uh, was asking people, you know, who, who can take this dog. And, uh, so she's six months old. She's a total spaz. It's all over the place. Loves people. Kona doesn't know what to make of her. He both likes her and, you know, growls at her when she gets all in his face and stuff, but she's a puppy. So she just does that. Anyway, it's a ton of fun. We surprised Kai with it. Emily posted on Facebook a video of surprising Kai with a puppy. And uh, she's about 30 pounds. She's yellow with a little bit kind of like the markings of a, a white tip tail and a little white stripe down the middle of her forehead, just the tiniest bit. And goofy, goofy, and uh, just a ton of fun. And we got a smaller dog. Oh, we named her Zoe. We got a smaller dog 
Uh, she'll probably max out around 45 pounds, I bet. Um, it's hard to tell. So that uh, Kai and Emily can run a dog themselves. Uh, because if we got another big dog, it'd be up to me to run it. And I can't, oh my God, I can't do that all the time. It kills me. Emily ran with Kona some uh, over the weekend, and it was hilarious, uh, her getting dragged around. <laughs> I was like, see? Anyway, the uh, let me make sure this is recording. Hold on. Yeah, we're doing good. And uh, then on Sunday, we did the local uh, BCS, that means Bryan College Station, um, Grand Fondo, which is 100. They had a, the longest was uh, <clears throat> 100, uh, you know, big loop. And... Uh, and then they had like a 20 and a 40. And Kai did the 40 miler. My 11 year old did a 40 miler with another kid that's 11. And uh, they're both on the triathlon team. So it just goes to show what just kids can do uh, if you, um, oh, if, if uh, you give them the right uh, environment, you know, don't never push Kai. He just loves doing it anyway. And, um, and it wasn't just Kai, it was another kid. And they just went out and had fun. And did 40 miles, no problem. Asked him when he was done, how uh, how was it? Are you tired? He's like, meh. <laughs> so before he took off, I gave him a bottle, two bottles of 50-50 Gatorade. And uh, well, kind of like three-quarters Gatorade. That way it wasn't too strong. And then if he drank that, then he'd um, have plenty of energy. Because they're just, they're just, uh... oh, he averaged 16 and a half miles per hour, by the way. And it was hilly and windy. So, Wow. Anyway, then um, I did the uh, 100 miler and I won the entire 100 miler. And on the next episode, I'm going to describe how because it was 101.5 miles <clears throat> because I used all my experience from Ironman racing to uh, to do this thing as fast as possible as like a training day for Ironman, and it worked. It was flawless. And I'm going to. Um, describe on the next show uh, what I did to uh, to go you know as fast as possible and win the whole thing uh, it was definitely competitive with uh, some guys and then the um, the other thing was throughout the week the five days leading up to the bike ride the hundred miler that I did I ran every day nine miles almost on the dot every day. So I totaled 45 miles of running um, up till the day of that 100-mile bike ride. And I could feel it in my legs. So it was just really good uh, training to uh, just build up stamina and durability and um, uh, not uh, give up when things start hurting. And boy, I had some challenges during that ride. Some stuff went wrong. And like I said, I'll describe that in the next show. And... Yeah, Emily did the, uh, I think she did the 40-miler as well. And it was uh, just just a whirlwind of a weekend and lots of fun. And uh, the real trick after all of it was to um, <clears throat> hit the pool the very next morning and get in that swim. And swim um, relatively easy, not kicking too much, to help the legs recover. You know, it feels good on the legs. And uh, I'm going to change lanes here. And... <clears throat> You can use swimming to recover from, you know, brutal stuff on your legs. And the reason my legs were brutalized was um, I couldn't swim because of the tattoo. So I uh, I got bored, man. 
So it's just like, well, I guess I'll run again. Once you get in the habit of exercising uh, twice a day, it's hard to, um, and I didn't exercise every day, twice a day. You know, some days I took uh, one day off or no days. And, um, but anyway, um, uh, once you get in the habit, it's uh, really easy to keep going. You just got to not go too hard. And that's the thing is, is uh, just stay consistent and then you'll keep getting better and better and better. All right. I think that's it for this episode. I want to give a shout out to all the sponsors that helped me out. Uh, Salt Stick and uh, Amrita Bars and livingfuel.com. And I use all that stuff a lot. And Chris Haig. And I can't wait to bring you all my details of the next episode. Tell you how we did it. Man. Oh, it went... The longest portion of the the weekend was not the 101.5 miler. It was the 500 mile um, gravel ride race. It was both on road and off road. Off road was just gravel, not um, not uh, like mountain bike trails. And I'll tell you what, you finish the 100 miler in first place, and you got a small crowd around you going. Wow, congratulations, you're so awesome. Wow, cool. And you're, you're being like, wow, this is great, man. I can't believe I did this. This is so cool. And then they go, oh, wait, one of the 500, one of the 500 milers is coming in. Let's go see him. And then they all <laughs> leave you standing there by yourself. <laughs> and you're like, dude, 500 miles. Wow. The guy that won never slept. He never slept. Oh my gosh, that's who you're up against in these things. You just you just need to get as good as you can get and just enjoy it because there are people out there that are operating completely on a different level and that's okay. You just do the best you can. All right, that's it. I'll see everybody next time around. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down out. Oh, oh, oh.